The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey, and welcome to the show. I am in beautiful Washington, D.C. at the AAPD offices, uh, which, as you all know, I'm the chair of, and I hope you all check out AAPD.com. However, I also am personally am and will always be attached to the Epilepsy Foundation, and I cannot begin to tell you how excited I am today. I am so excited because we have the new CEO of the National Epilepsy Foundation. He is a rock star. He is wonderful. He is dedicated. You wait till you see what happens at the foundation. Welcome to the show, Phil Gatone. Thank you, Joyce. It's great to be with you. And I have to say that um, it's an honor to know you and work with you, not only because you've helped the Epilepsy Foundation for so many years, but also because, as you know, epilepsy impacts people with many different disabilities. And your role as chair of AAPD and the work that they do is so remarkable. And, And I just want to tell you, it's an honor to know you. Oh, Phil, well, the feeling is mutual. But for our listeners across the country, um, I'm sure they're going to want to know why you first became involved with the world of epilepsy. Because may I say to all of you, it is so awesome to have the first CEO that I've known that had a direct connection to epilepsy. Just so you know that, because I've been involved, he is the very first CEO that had a direct connection. So why don't you tell everyone about that, Phil? Well, our world changed uh, April 11, 1991, uh, changed forever when our son Philip had his first seizure, and that's really how uh, how we began to learn about epilepsy. Uh, we really didn't know much about it, uh, but when he was four, we found him in his bedroom having a seizure, and uh, that seizure lasted an extraordinarily long time, and um, we were very frightened, and uh, called the paramedics, and uh, he went into the hospital and stayed in the intensive care unit for uh, several days. And, uh, you know, we came home really uncertain about his future. And as he went through the journey that he went through, uh, we as his parents went through a journey as well of understanding epilepsy and understanding that we could play a role in helping to make a difference in this mission. And so that's where it all started and uh, and to think that um, all of this has translated into uh, this this uh, new level of service uh, that I get to uh, to participate in is really really the honor of my professional life. Isn't it amazing? You know what you and I have in common, Phil, is one <clears throat> seizure, whereas you know I almost died, but changed my life to take me to being the CEO of Bender Consulting Services. Your son's seizure 
took you to this new position as CEO of the National Epilepsy Foundation. How about that? Yeah, it's really remarkable. And, and I've met so many wonderful people along the way who um, are every bit as caring and compassionate as anybody anyone would ever meet. And they they really inspired me to continue to serve because, uh, as you know, we are a family-led organization. We have people uh, all over the network who have been touched by epilepsy, both on our staff level and uh, and our board of directors and volunteers. So everybody who's involved in this in this great cause and this great mission uh, ha- really have that understanding. And and uh, we are also blessed to have people who. Uh, have not been touched by epilepsy, but still demonstrate the compassion and, and the uh, care and the commitment to our mission. So we're really doubly fortunate. We are. <clears throat> and I'm going to tell everyone listening to the show, Phil Gatone, I've known a long time. He is the real deal. I would really encourage you to go to epilepsyfoundation.org and really check us out, check out the foundation, make a contribution. But, you know, Get to know Phil Gatone. You'll see what I mean. Um, you'll see what I mean about being the real deal. Now, now, Phil, I know you had no idea what was happening with your son, Phil, when he was four years old. What, what did you and your wife, Jill, think when you first heard this diagnosis? Well, we were, we were actually frightened, because, um, especially because the doctors... Uh, who are so talented, they really had no answers for us. Uh, many times when children get a diagnosis of epilepsy, there isn't a known cause. And uh, we were very scared, and we were actually talking about it in a restaurant one night, just trying to figure out what to do. Because if you remember, in the early 90s, there was no Internet. There was no uh, – the, the technology wasn't quite as sophisticated as it is now. And uh, we were looking in libraries for information, and uh, we were talking about it at a restaurant, and a waitress came up to us, uh, heard what we were saying, and she said, you know, her neighbor uh, ran an Epilepsy Foundation support group. And so we were so grateful for her speaking up and talking to us about that, that we attended the support group. And that night that we attended, there was an epilepsy nurse who was a guest speaker who was volunteering her time to talk about epilepsy, and we got connected to uh, an epilepsy specialist soon afterward. And uh, we consider ourselves very lucky to have been connected to good epilepsy care early. And my view, and I think the foundation's view, is that people should not have to be lucky to find good care. So it's our job to really take, take the message out there and talk about it and get that, get that uh, connection made for families as quickly as possible. But we were really scared when we found out about the diagnosis, and it took a long time for us to, to gain some, some real understanding about, about what epilepsy is. <clears throat> Yes, and you know, when Phil talked about going to the local group, there are affiliates. That would be, think of offices, local offices uh, that help people that have epilepsy. You know, like Phil ran it in Chicago, Judy Painter in Pittsburgh. I would encourage you to talk to these affiliates because just like Phil, it is so helpful to have a support system. And Phil, one thing I wanted to talk to you about, your son, Phil, is extremely successful today. Um, But unlike you, many parents like to keep epilepsy a secret. You know, they'll say to their child, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone you have this. 
Why do you think that is, and what is the stigma? Well, it's a great question, and I think um, really there's there's this stigma, and uh, people uh, may want to keep epilepsy a secret because there is so much misunderstanding, and I think misunderstanding really creates fear. And, uh, you know, we are going to change that at the Epilepsy Foundation. We are going to put together a public awareness campaign to educate people about, about what epilepsy is and to understand that epilepsy is, uh, presents itself as a spectrum. Some people, you know, um, have seizures that uh, when someone who hears someone has epilepsy, they imagine what that looks like, and they imagine the person who has a generalized tonic-clonic seizure who, whose muscles stiffen, you know, they fall, to the ground, and then there's movement back and forth uh, in the seizure, and then the seizure ends. And for some, that is how a seizure manifests itself. Uh, they call that a generalized tonic-clonic seizure. It used to be called the grand mal seizure. And the misunderstanding <clears throat> and stigma, I think, is really created because people don't understand that epilepsy presents itself in so many different ways. Um, there are very subtle seizures. There are behavioral changes. Uh, that a person will experience. And so consequently, someone, if they're sitting in an office next to somebody and the person begins to stand up and begins to um, move their hands uh, back and forth uh, on, on a chair or starts to walk around and touch somebody's clothes or says something that doesn't make any sense that they typically would never say, a coworker may may be concerned and not know what's happening because they don't understand that's a seizure. So I think it's so critically important to talk uh, to your coworkers, to talk to your school, to talk to your friends and family so they understand what happens when you have a seizure because uh, I think that people will, uh, the, more we, the more we talk about it, the more we get the word out and educate people, the, uh, the more we'll be able to find that understanding and that acceptance that uh, people with epilepsy absolutely deserve. And I agree with you 100%. Phil, just a couple of things. You mentioned about the spectrum, the epilepsy spectrum. Uh, what, do, what do you mean by that? Can you explain to our listeners, the ver- you know, I'm talking about me versus a child extensive seizures. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Absolutely. <clears throat> well, well uh, when, when we talk about the spectrum of epilepsy, what we're really talking about is that there's a spectrum in um, both in, in frequency of seizures and there's a spectrum of severity and, and there's a spectrum of how seizures manifest themselves. So uh, for Philip, right now, uh, Philip has simple partial seizures. So his seizures really are very subtle. And uh, he's able to, and, and they don't cause him to lose consciousness right now, and they don't cause him to lose awareness right now. So he's able to um, move forward in, in, uh, his, and have a job and, and do what he wants to do. Um, and he's still fighting epilepsy. He still has simple partial seizures. The person whose seizures are completely controlled and they're taking medication, that person's still fighting epilepsy. But, but there's a, a large minority of our population of people who have seizure disorders that experience significant uh, uh, impact and are unable, despite their best efforts and despite the doctor's best efforts, seizures persist, and they impact uh, the person's ability to develop in, in the way they want to develop. So a person may have um, <clears throat> significant developmental disabilities. 
may have significant physical disabilities. And as a result, uh, in some people, uh, the, the spectrum can be so severe that some people lose their fight with epilepsy. And uh, there, there are uh, nearly 50,000 Americans who lose their fight with epilepsy every year. And I just attended a conference to talk about the mortality uh, issue with epilepsy and to, ta- and to focus on ways that we can address this. So it, there's a tremendous spectrum. Can you imagine you know, the spectrum of something that can cause you to lose your life and all the way from that to a person who can get a diagnosis, take a medication, and get on their way uh, and, and have really no visible impact of, of epilepsy. That's what we talk about when we talk about the spectrum. And what we have to understand as a community is that we are all in this fight together. And so whether your seizures are well-controlled or whether your seizures are very difficult to control, you're not alone. And there's somebody there who can help you, who wants to help you, and we want you to join the fight against epilepsy and, and make a difference with us. So that's the spectrum, Joyce. And, and we hope that, that at the Epilepsy Foundation, we can provide something for people with epilepsy all along that spectrum. Well, you know we get people that call in, but we also have people that send in questions. So here we go, Phil. This is from Linda in Maine. So it's so funny what you were just talking about. First of all, congratulations, Mr. Gatone. Um, I really hope you do help educate people. I say that because I've noticed that very few people talk about SUDEP. Why do you think that is? Right. Well, I, I think, it, first of all, it's a great great comment and question, Linda, and thank you for doing that, for, for writing. Uh, I'll tell you that I think that uh, SUDEP is so infrequently discussed because doctors are, re- uh, in some cases, reluctant to bring it up because it is rare, but at the same time, um, it, that can come off as as paternalistic and it's it to me it's it's the obligation of the epilepsy foundation and all people who are involved in the in the movement of epilepsy to to educate uh to provide the information to our families all information possible including the risk of SUDEP. SUDEP affects uh very uh itself SUDEP is as part of the umbrella of of the unfortunate consequence of death and epilepsy SUDEP is a portion of that, and it's sudden, unexplained death and epilepsy. And uh, the the number of people impacted by SUDEP is rare, but it happens. And so when when I'm talking with a family who has experienced SUDEP, most often they're extremely angry because they hadn't heard about this from their doctor, and if they had heard about it, they felt they would have addressed it in some way, shape, or form. And so we're committed at the Epilepsy Foundation. We put an entire task group with national leaders, and it was a, it was a tremendous coalition of, of leaders, not only from the Epilepsy Foundation, but also from our partner organizations, uh, Suit Up Aware, uh, the Danny Did Foundation, Cure, uh, <clears throat> uh, the Epilepsy Therapy Project, uh, the Centers for Disease Control, we had a wonderful group of leaders, uh, both volunteer and staff leaders, put together a SUDEP task group and a plan to address SUDEP, and that was really culminated in a, in a conference that just occurred in Chicago this past weekend. And as a result of that conference, um, I heard from 
doctors throughout that conference that, that told me they are going to, to conduct their practices differently now, that they are going to educate their patients about epilepsy and SUDEP, but they're going to put it in the proper context to let them know that it is extremely rare, but as, as caregivers and as individuals living with epilepsy, you deserve to, to know what the risks are, and then you can, you can make an informed decision about how you want to address those risks. Right, <clears throat> and we we will be talking about, it. and I do know what she means because to many people, just as Phil said, they've never heard about it. They don't know what it is. So although it is not <clears throat> common, people are upset when they didn't know about it and it happens, and I do understand that. Well, Phil, I've got to ask you this question. Actually, it's twofold. Number one, what did you think when it really hit you that I am the new CEO of the National Epilepsy Foundation? And part two, what do you hope to accomplish over the next few years? Well, uh, when I when I heard that, uh, when I really uh, was told that, I, I just um, I just really thank God because I just felt like this is. Uh, an opportunity to really make a difference um, and serve in a new way. And, and it was especially gratifying to know that I'll be working with a team not only at our, at our home office who have been committed uh, to, to our mission, but an entire network across the country of affiliate executives, local board leaders, local staff and volunteers who have been working so hard to make a difference for families, um, it's just such a privilege to work with these with these leaders in this way and to serve them. So it was really an overwhelming feeling. Um, but what I intend to do uh, is to really my vision is that when someone finds out they have epilepsy, that the, the Epilepsy Foundation <clears throat> will be front of mind. That that we will be their first choice for supportive care. That they will say, "Oh, okay, I know I have epilepsy." but I know there's a foundation out there for me. And I want to be that organization that is there for that, that person and that family. And I know that our network is prepared uh, to, to grow with me in this cause because they've already been doing the work. Our home office and our affiliate leaders have been doing the work for many, many years. And uh, I want to be our, the first choice for people when they want to when they find out they have epilepsy and they need something and they want something from us, that they think of the Epilepsy Foundation. And I want to be able to be um, the first choice of our industry as a partner. I want to be a good partner to our industry, to, our, to our, the other organizations that have been involved with epilepsy care for a long time. And I want to be the first choice as an investment in a mission-based charitable cause. You said earlier, you know, you can make a contribution. I really think that uh, whether it's a monetary contribution or a contribution of time, any investment someone wants to make, I want them to look at the, the Epilepsy Foundation and say, you know, that would be a great organization to volunteer for. And I see that already across the country, and I want to be able to help uh, make that happen. And, and overall, Joyce, I, I really want to create an environment of, of caring support, of compassion, for the individual needs of people living with epilepsy and those who care about them. I think that, that that happens when we advocate, when we stand up with each other and say that we are not ashamed to have epilepsy, 
that we, we deserve answers and we deserve to be treated just like everyone deserves to be treated, with dignity and respect. And I want to do that. I want to provide that sense of relevance as an organization and engage our stakeholders in a variety of, of ways. Um, so doing all of that, I think, is really going to get at the heart of what we want to accomplish, which is transforming that, that sense of fear that, pe- that can overwhelm the strongest of us. You know, uh, when you find out you have epilepsy, you, you know, I've seen the strongest people, people of great faith and, and great, uh, great ability, they really are afraid when they find out they have epilepsy. And we want to, we want to transform that fear into a sense of Well, you know what, you know what, Phil? I think I have some people that can help you do that. I see we have a couple callers on the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, first caller, Art, go ahead. wanted to be the first uh, to congratulate Phil uh, and echo what you said, uh, Joyce. I, I think it's critically important uh, for, for a voluntary health organization like ours and for the Epilepsy Foundation uh, to, to have someone in, in this key position that has a, a real connection to the cause. And I, I think we all know there, there are lots of uh, hired guns out there that are perfectly capable of running uh, uh, an organization of, of, of that size and scope, but I think that's critically important. The second thing uh, that, that I would like to uh, b- b- both compliment Phil on and, and the organization is that, is that uh, 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 being the executive director here of Heart of Wisconsin, I'm, I'm Phil's former neighbor here to the north uh, in Madison, Wisconsin. And, and, and I, I am just gratified, and, and I think there's a lot of excitement in our network because someone who has that experience of, of working at the local level where the rubber meets the road it is now going to be guiding uh, the national organization. And uh, I, I think that's a great thing for our organization at this point in time as well. Isn't well, that awesome? I know. I agree with you, Art. Phil, go ahead. I just wanted to say thanks, Art, for calling in and tell you that for those who are listening, that uh, Art is, is a leader in Wisconsin and across the, the nationwide network, serving as the, uh, as the chair of our management operations team, which is a nationwide leadership team, and Art is the chair of that team. So he not only is a leader in Wisconsin, but across the country, and he's doing a remarkable job in in Wisconsin, both with his colleagues uh, Lou and Doris, and and they're serving more people than ever in Wisconsin, really because of of that leadership. And and that leads me to one brief question, and I'll kind of pose this to both of you. Uh, recently, there's been a very uh, important uh, uh, Institute of Medicine report. It's it's kind of groundbreaking because. Uh, nothing uh, has come out in recent years, and the report has sketched out some some uh, very uh, specific uh, uh, tasks that that need to be addressed concerning uh, epilepsy and public health. What do you guys think are the most critical issues, both nationally but but also locally for us in addressing? Uh, some of the concerns that that the Institute of Medicine has illuminated? Well, it's a great question, Art, and um, uh, I had an opportunity to uh, watch uh, online as the report was released, and, and I know Joyce was there and, and many others. Tony Coelho, our CEO, was there, Brian Smith, our, our board chair, and many others. Um, you know, the, the Institute of Medicine did something really remarkable. This is the first time in decades 
that a report was generated for epilepsy. And um, when, when you, the, the report had several key messages in it. And what it, what it really provided uh, that I thought was wonderful is it, it talked about who should lead, who should have the primary responsibility for each of the recommendations. They came out with 13 recommendations, and the Epilepsy Foundation was uh, specifically mentioned to lead five out of the 13 recommendations. And uh, so that is very helpful to us, and we are a key player in the other recommendations as well, but we had a specific tag on us to say the Epilepsy Foundation needs to lead this. And they were very clear on what needs to be done and why it needs to be done. But, but the report did not provide um, very specific measurable goals, and it did not provide the dollars, how to pay for all the work necessary to complete the objectives in the report. But what was so wonderful about it is it did such a beautiful job of laying out the need, what the need is, and who should be responsible for it. So I'm so thankful to, to all the people who were part of that. Um, what we have have to do, uh, how it impacts us as leaders in the cause, and, and people with epilepsy in their communities can find some comfort in knowing that we are going to be taking the lead in uh, the community service coordination aspect of the of the report. So that means how do we really improve quality of life for a person living with epilepsy? And then also how do we educate not only people <clears throat> living with epilepsy but their families and the community? Uh, one of the other key places that we will take the lead as a, a network both locally and nationally is informing the media to improve awareness and eliminate the stigma associated with epilepsy. So that means generating a huge public awareness campaign and then um, also strengthening our stakeholder collaboration. So how do we start working with each other more effectively? The Institute of Medicine looked to the Epilepsy Foundation as being the lead on bringing our stakeholders together. So there are several areas where we're going to play an important role and we can help our scientists, our physicians, and, and all the other uh, stakeholders in this uh, on the other recommendations as well, but our, locally and nationally, we have a key role to play in this in this report. And I agree with Phil because there was an emphasis on <clears throat> you know the stigma and education and changing the perception and support you know locally. So I think we need to take the lead and strategically put a plan together. And I'm sure that Phil is going to do that. But, but Art, thank you so much for calling in. And thank you. Thank you, Joyce, for everything you do for people with disabilities uh, throughout the country. Thank you, Art. Thanks, Have a Art. good day. Okay, we have another caller on the line. Judy, are you on the line? Uh, yes, I am, Joyce. Hi, Judy. Hi, Judy. How are you? I'm good. Good. Phil, um, here I am calling you to congratulate you again. Uh, so excited to have you. I guess the next thing I'm going to do is have a, have a parade for you. <laughs> anyway, um, I, uh, I was actually first on the phone. I think um, 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 Joyce just put art because she went alphabetically. Oh, that's what it is. That's, I'm, I'm not really the second person to congratulate you, I know. <laughs> Anyway, obviously, uh, Joyce, uh, Phil and I have known each other for a long time, as I have known you for such a long time, and uh, the affiliate network is just so excited to have Phil as our new CEO and look so much forward to working with him to make this organization the greatest organization that it can be and will be under his direction. 
Uh, Phil, you. Uh, you and Joyce and Art, uh, we were talking about the IOM report, which I thought was very exciting. I called in, uh, I think, last week when Joyce had uh, the people from the IOM on. And, you know, I don't think that they realize, you know, how big – they do realize how big this problem was, but they very much – talked about the fact that, you know, like, we really have to get out there and let people know about this, you know, that people need to know uh, about what epilepsy is and what they, what it is not and how we could become partners with the medical com- community and, and so on. What do you see as our number one priority or your number one priority moving forward as you become CEO? Well, there, there are several priorities, and, and Judy, before <clears throat> I answer that, I just want to say that um, to the to people listening um, there are a, there there is recognition within uh, every organization. Everyone wants to recognize people who do a good job, and and uh, the Epilepsy Foundation is no exception. And when we create awards, um, you know, we hope that uh, people strive to achieve them. And uh, Judy Painter and the Epilepsy Foundation of Western Central Pennsylvania has won really every national award you can win. Uh, Judy has won the executive director. They've won affiliate of the year. They've won um, multiple uh, awareness and development awards, uh, innovation awards, and it's really because of the leadership uh, that Judy has been demonstrating for so many years and also uh, the leadership of of the volunteers who serve on the board and and in the community uh, in, in Pennsylvania. So, Judy, I just wanted to to congratulate you and, and, and thank you for all that you've done, not only for the organization, but for me personally. You've also served as chair of MOT, the management operations team, as a national leader and on just about every task group there is in the foundation. So I just wanted to thank you for all of that and to tell you that um, you know my priority uh, moving forward as an organization is really to address um, you know, the, the needs that are out there nationwide. And that includes um, looking at how we can better connect people with epilepsy to the care they, they need. Right now, uh, the time it takes for a person with epilepsy from diagnosis to the time they find an epilepsy center is over 10 years. And, wow. and to anybody who is in the cause and has been part of this, they know that. And, they, and the frustration they feel is really a tremendous, uh, a tremendous, uh, burden because when you see somebody who is impacted and you know that if they were to have seen a doctor you know within the first year or two they may have been able to stop the seizures that you know were impacting them and yet here they are several years later calling us saying you know we we don't really know where to go or what to do can you help us so we one of my priorities is to raise awareness to let people know that there is a place they can go to get connected to better care, and that's the Epilepsy Foundation. So you can call Judy. You, you know, if you're in Pennsylvania and you're in Pittsburgh area, you can call Judy, and, and her team will connect you to the <clears throat> care that you need and deserve. And that's true really all over our nationwide network. So that's a priority for me to, to give people, the, to connect people to the care that they, they need, um, clinical care. The other Excuse me, I hate to interrupt you there, Phil, but I see we have other callers on the line. And listen, before I let Judy Judy go, who in my opinion is the best of the best, it is an honor for me to serve with Judy on uh, the Epilepsy Foundation of Western and Central Pennsylvania 
in Pittsburgh, and she is one of the hardest workers I've ever met. But, Phil, I want you to tell Judy what your offer was contingent upon. Hmm. Must be getting along with Judy. No, <laughs> no. I'm kidding. Was it something that involved hockey, Joyce? No. <laughs> Remind me. Marty Raw. Oh, of course. I have to come to Pittsburgh in February. Oh, well, so, and I would love to do that. It's a it's a guarantee. I'll be there. You'll okay, Judy. And Judy, I, and you Jill, heard that. Bring Jill. Oh, of course. Okay, thanks. Thank I'll you, talk Judy. to you soon. Take care. I'm, I'm glad <laughs> thanks, to see that branding and awareness is number one. Bye-bye. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I think we have another caller on the line. Tony, are you on the line? I sure am. That was a nice tribute to Judy and well-deserved, Phil. So Thank you. Uh, it's nice to be on the call and to... Excuse me, this is the Honorable Tony Quello, author of the Americans with Disabilities Act and interim CEO of the Epilepsy Foundation. Go ahead, Tony. Well, it's a great pleasure to be on the line to publicly congratulate uh, Phil on becoming the new president and CEO of the Epilepsy Foundation. I'm excited for him and particularly excited for... Uh, those of us uh, who have epilepsy, because Phil's going to be an outstanding leader, so I'm really excited uh, for him and for us, because that's, that's what it's all about. So I'm I'm thrilled uh, uh, for all of us that Phil has agreed to become our new CEO. So it's uh, going to be exciting. Uh, I've told people, Phil, that not only um, is it great that you're going to be the new CEO, but we expect you uh, to be in that position for many, many years, and that's uh, what we need is to have somebody who's committed not only to make a difference, but committed to be with the organization for a long time. That's uh, what will make this organization uh, strong and even better than it has been. So well, I'm thank excited you, Tony. about it. I have to tell you that... Um, there's really only one person, I think, in the country who could have taken the reins of the organization uh, when, we, when we needed that, and that was you. And uh, the values that you bring forward uh, are really reflected in, in the stability that you brought, uh, the value of partnership, the value of trust. Uh, it, it, those values really resonated with our, our leaders across the network. And we, we needed that at, at that time, and you delivered uh, and, and exceeded everybody's, everybody's hopes. And uh, so this most recent uh, uh, service that you've provided to the organization is most appreciated, but it's really just a reflection of what you've done for many years uh, for people with epilepsy. Uh, Joyce, my son, uh, many others are inspired because of your example. So, and you know that, but I think it's important once in a while to be reminded that the impact we make is not so much only the, the major achievements uh, that we bring to the cause, as you have done with the Americans with Disabilities Act and the Amendments uh, Act, but also in the day-to-day work that is done not only at our home office, but across the network. Those, uh, those days when we're holding someone's hand because they're at the worst part of their entire treatments in their journey of epilepsy to the time when we're able to 
celebrate with families when they achieve something that they've been wanting to achieve for a long time. Maybe it's seizure freedom. Maybe it's a graduation. Maybe it's a job. Uh, you know, we're, we're there. You have been there all along the, the way. And, and uh, I just wanted to thank you for a lifetime of commitment to our mission. Thank you. Thank you, Phil. I mean, I also want to just address something very quickly that um, that is happening. I'm really pleased to uh, be a part of it and strategizing to make it happen, but Joyce knows this, um, is that uh, it looks like uh, week of July 23rd, we'll have a treaty on the Senate floor. Uh, we're trying to get the votes organized right now. It looks good. Uh, that will have uh, the treaty to uh, have the ADA um, uh, confirmed as uh, a, a treaty uh, that will be adopted uh, that'll, uh, throughout the whole world. Uh, wow. But we will be a, a signatory to that. Um, but we hopefully will have the 67 votes uh, needed in the Senate uh, to get that ratified, but it looks very good. I was just talking to, uh, about 10 minutes ago to Senator Dick Durbin and uh, Senator John McCain, who are the co-leads uh, to that force in the Senate, and uh, we're putting together the votes, and, and uh, we'll bring it up uh, on the Senate floor the week of the 23rd of July. Senator Reid has agreed to bring it up, assuming that we have the votes, and it's looking good. So we're excited about that, but that tells you what is exciting to me is that the Epilepsy Foundation led the effort for the ADA, the ADA Amendments Act. We have 52 countries throughout the world who have adopted the ADA, and now we're making it into a treaty, um, and we'll um, hopefully get that done. And so the impact of this foundation... Um, not only here in the United States, but throughout the world is tremendous. And uh, you, on July the 9th, will become the president and CEO of a foundation that has uh, a worldwide influence impact. And those of us uh, with epilepsy um, have had an impact uh, throughout the world, and we now look to you for the leadership to um, help us uh, retain that leadership uh, worldwide and to make sure that uh, those of us with epilepsy here in the United States continue to reach out to individuals all over this country to make sure that we have that access that you, you talked about with Judy, that it doesn't take 10 years for us to be able to get the attention and care that we need, that it can be done more rapidly uh, through the foundation that, that we have. And we can do it with the leadership provided by people like you and Joyce and Brian and others uh, that uh, we can uh, grow and succeed even more so than we've done in the past. So I congratulate you and proud of what you've done and what you, I know, will do over the next at least 10 years. So I'm excited for you. Thank you, Tony. Thanks, Joyce. Tony, for calling in. Thank you so much. No problem at all. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You know what, Phil? This is 
how well liked you are. We're running out of time. So <laughs> I have to make a special request. November, we always celebrate Epilepsy Month um, by having leaders like Tony and different people on. So we are going to have you back on in November. Now, can you agree to that? Thank you, of course. Thank you. That would be an honor. Uh, I told you how good he is, um, but and this would happen. I'm not surprised this happened. But, Phil, before I go, do you have a message you would like to leave with our listeners? Well, the message I would leave is um, simple. It's that there is hope. There is always hope. There is a place you can find the hope you need. You can find the support and the inspiration and the hope at the Epilepsy Foundation. You are not alone. And we're here for you. If you have epilepsy, call us. If you have trouble reaching somebody, call me. Find me. I will help you. And that's how our whole organization feels, that we're here to help you today and tomorrow. So uh, you're not alone, and there's always hope. And you have been listening to the new, dynamic, passionate CEO of the National Epilepsy. Thank you so much for being with us. We all are behind you. We all love you. I know you'll do a great job. Thank you, Joyce. It's an honor to be with you. Thanks, Phil. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, this show is really moving along today. As a matter of fact, I'm not going to take a break to bring our next guest on uh, with AT&T, with the Associate Director of Disability and Mature Marketing from a company, AT&T, dedicated to quality of life. Americans with Disabilities, obvious by them being on this show throughout June. Evelyn Jackson, welcome to the show. Hey, Joyce. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be with you today. Well, I'm excited to have you on the show today um, because, as I mentioned, I feel very strongly about the commitment of AT&T. As I said, just the fact that the company has been on throughout the month of June says something about the commitment of AT&T. So how about you tell our listeners across the country about your position as Associate Marketing Director of Disability and Mature Projects with AT&T Mobility? Okay, sure. Um, well, I actually I have two roles um, within the company, and the first one, as you mentioned, is the I'm, asso- I'm the associate marketing director for the disability immature products, and secondly, I am also the chairperson or chairwoman for the AT&T advisory panel on access and aging. So, in my marketing role, um, I'm responsible for marketing for the products that we develop specifically for our customers that have a disability or in the mature segment. And when I say mature segment, I'm really talking about those that are 65 years or older. And so a couple of examples of these products or services that that fall into my realm of responsibility would be um, like our easy-to-use devices, which offer an option of an easy-to-use menu that's not icon-based, but um, rather in a list format so that instead of an envelope that you see on a screen as an icon, it actually would say text message so that you would know it's your text message mailbox. Um, Another example of these products would be 
our AT&T TAP plans, which are text accessibility plans, and there are our data and text-only plans that we specifically developed to address the needs of our customer base that would not use our voice plans as a made mode of communication, but rather prefer to communicate by data and text-only. And then in my second role as chair of the AT&T Advisory Panel on Access and Aging, which, again, we call APA, um, they provide AT&T recommendations across all of our business units um, with regards to the disability community and the aging segment. And the panel consists of what I basically consider uh, 15 external panelists within the disability community, and then we have about 30 internal AT&T employees that, that attend the meetings, um, every meeting, and they, we have representatives from, from excuse all the me, Excuse me, Evelyn. If you could just hold on. I don't know what it is, but uh, our studio is hearing some type of interference. So we'll be right back with you listeners. We're going to have Evelyn call back in because... Lord knows we want everyone to hear what AT&T has to say. <laughs> okay. We'll be, we'll be right back. Okay. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grumberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. Racism. Healing. Oneness of humankind. It is time to join millions of people all over the world who openly talk about racial healing. Some of us are not sure how to tread when discussing race and culture. Until now. Tune in to A Safe Place to Talk About Race with host Sharon E. Davis. Engage with experts and notables. Have a question but are not sure how to ask it? Test it out with our show. It's a safe harbor to explore views and situations that we face every day. A Safe Place to Talk About Race airs live every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America Interactive Radio Player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back. And, you know, this wasn't planned, but now everyone knows why they should use AT&T. 
<laughs> so it wasn't AT&T. I know you think this was a planned commercial. We really didn't. Uh, it wasn't them. It was on our end. So, Evelyn, <laughs> thank you for coming back. Sure. <laughs> Uh, Evelyn, you were talking about your positions in the second part uh, of your job. Do you want to continue with that? Sure, sure. So um, the, the second, um, my second role in my position is I'm the chairperson for the AT&T Advisory Panel on Access and Aging. And what that is, is it's a panel of what we consider um, external employees that are, con- that are experts within the disability community. And then we have about 30 internal AT&T employees that attend these panels or these meetings, if you will, um, where in some, tra- in some touch point of their job, they deal with either the disability or the aging segment. And we have representatives all from all divisions of AT&T, whether it be supplier diversity or human resources, mobile devices, UVerse, which is for those of you that aren't in a UVerse area, may not know what it is. It's the um, it's the award-winning AT&T C, uh, TV service. So we have representatives from all aspects of the business, and the panel meets three times a year. So, kind of in a nutshell, I use them or we use them as our own personal focus groups for these two segments. Wow, you really have a big job there. <laughs> we do. You are one busy, you're one busy lady. Yes, sir. Uh, yes. Well, t- tell us about your strategy associated with the development and marketing of these accessible devices. And may I say to everyone that with our aging population, believe me, we need these accessible devices. But could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I sure can. So. I think you're asking me two, two, there's two different points to the question and then it kind of rolls up into um, a little bit of what I've just, just spoke about. So um, let's talk about from a developmental point of view. So from a developmental point of view, the panel really does play a huge part. And as I had said, they are our own personal focus group. So when we meet with these folks three times a year, um, we have our different internal groups present either ideas uh, new products and services they're looking to roll out, or even how to repurpose or expand our current offerings so that we can um, better serve these two segments. And then once we get their feedback, um, we use that information to approve on our offerings. And then from a marketing perspective, um, again, from, from working with the panel and working with these groups, and, and just to kind of give you an idea of some of the representation that uh, I have on the panel. We've got, you know, the, the National Council on Independent Living. We have National Hispanic Council on Aging, Deaf Youth USA, American Foundation for the Blind, um, Telecommunications for the Deaf and Hard of Hearing. So we have folks that are ingrained within these communities on this panel that gives us the feedback. And one of the things we've learned um, from a marketing perspective is that specifically around these segments, they get a lot of their information through either word of mouth or friends or trusted associated organizations that they work with. Basically, you know, obviously just people they trust to get the right information. So we try to partner with these groups to help us spread the word uh, about our specific products and services. So one of the earliest examples that I can think of was and I don't know how many people have um, been around and know a lot about the telecommunications industry, but not until the iPhone 
uh, first launched way back in like I think it was 2007 was a really a smartphone boom, if you will. There really weren't that many smartphone devices that that actually did a lot of uh, data and text communications at that time. But around then, we started when the iPhone launched. We started getting a lot of feedback um, from our deaf and deaf customers that we needed to start offering the data and text-only plans for our customers. So we worked with TDI, as I'd mentioned before, because they're on our panel, and we held some focus groups, and we got the feedback um, that we needed to offer a suite of these data and text-only rate plans to be able to accommodate these new handsets that were coming out because people were moving away from the use of TTY to text-based communication. So the marketing point of that is is that we also worked with TDI um, to help get the word out as far with more of a guerrilla or a grassroots marketing plan, which in, which included some email blasts from their subscriber base and kind of target targeting PR and online campaigns specifically to that community. One of the other um, marketing campaigns and information that we got from 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 the panel was from going to uh, conventions and uh, being out in the community, I was getting a lot of feedback of, you know, we really would like a cheaper plan. We don't want to spend the $39.99 for 450 minutes because we don't talk 450 minutes. We want, you know, 200 minutes, and, and we're willing to pay, you know, a little bit less. So we developed a $29.99 rate plan with 200 minutes specifically for the senior community. And again, when I say it's the AT&T Senior Nation plan, but it's really for folks that are 65 years or older that said, we're just going to make one quick call. We just want to use it just in case of emergency, and we don't want to have to spend the big bucks to do it. So again, we you know partnered with some nonprofit organizations like Oasis and SeniorNet and brought this rate plan out into the community as well as we developed a um, senior cell phone training class to help us get the word out. But we didn't restrict it just to people that were using AT&T products. We kind of said, hey, if you want to learn how to use your phone, bring it in. We don't care who you're with, and we'll teach you how to use it. So wow. that's kind of some of the, you know, the, the grassroots marketing development stuff that, that, that we've been doing around here lately. Wow, that is awesome. <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, Evelyn, because we had this interference on the line, although AT&T was only going to be on throughout the month of June, next month we're celebrating ADA month um, where we're going to have Senator Harkin and Tony and John Berry, Director of OPM, and uh, starting off with Becky Ogle, who is known as a civil rights leader in the disability community. And, you know, that sort of fits in. So I'm going to have you back on next week also. Oh, yeah, that would be great. So continuing on with your discussion, Avalyn, what would you say, I mean, look where you've moved to. If you had to give one example of what you think made you successful, what would it be? You know, I would I would have to say the one thing that's probably made me successful in this position, and it's probably the same with, with other marketing positions, but I think re- since this community is so diverse, I think listening to the end consumer um, and by listening to the consumers and the feedback that we're getting and trying to develop the products and services that they're really asking for. So 
another example might be when the Android devices came out and there's been such a huge explosion of the Android devices, um, the blind community was like, Avalyn, we can't use these cool new Android phones. Why can't you? Why can't there be something similar to the iPhone that's out there that already has accessibility features built in? So again, we had to go out and partner um, with a company called Code Factory and have them develop an application for us that we can load, or our customers actually can load on their Android devices, so that they can use these Android devices. And we were able to do that in, in such a wonderful way because we give this app away for free to AT&T customers. All you got to do is is have an Android device that's 2.1 or newer and you can go to Google Play, which is the new Android market, and they can download this for free and they are able to use all of the functionality of their Android device where before they couldn't. And I obviously had no idea until the the blind community was coming back to me and saying, "Ah, we've we've got to figure something out here." So it was um it's really just listening to the needs of, of of the industry well isn't that something that many people have not done i would have to say that in my world of disability if i hear a complaint that's what it is so good for you but we're not done talking to you Evelyn, because we're going to have you on uh, the last segment of our show next week because I just can't stand it when there's an interruption. But not <laughs> only that, it's ADA month. It so is ADA we'll be month. asking you some questions about that. Um, and I just want to congratulate you uh, for what you're doing and your success, and thank you for what you're doing to help all of us. Oh, no, Joyce, thanks so very much. It's, it's been a real honor speaking with you. Well, we'll be speaking to you again. And this is AT&T, a company that cares and that listens. Isn't that a good way to say it, a company that listens? <laughs> we end every show with a quote from a famous civil rights leader. And today, because of our new CEO of the Epilepsy Foundation, that quote has to be from the Honorable Tony Quello, who says, when you get a chance to take the podium, Speak up. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, Voice America.